0: Welcome to the QAV Podcast. If you're brand new, I just want to introduce the podcast a little bit so you know what you're getting yourself into. If you've listened to the show before, feel free to just fast forward a minute or two. If you're brand new, here's the deal. Uh, My name's Cameron Riley. Tony Kynaston is an old friend of mine. He's a very successful share market investor. I'm talking very, very, very successful. He's been doing it 30 years He's one of the best in the country in terms of a private investor. Very good uh, track record over 30 years. And what this podcast is about is Tony basically teaches me everything that he knows about investing in the stock market, and you get to listen. But if you're coming into this for the first time, you'll find that this episode, the current episodes, assume a certain level of prior knowledge. We assume that you know what we're talking about, his system, his methodology, which we explain in uh, earlier episodes. So feel free to listen if you want to get the vibe for what's going on, but some of it's not going to make much sense unless you understand what the checklist is, etc. I recommend if you're brand new, you go back and listen to uh, Season 3, Episode 1, Episode 3, and Episode 5, where we go into Tony's background and his system and his methodology in a lot more detail, and then... Feel free to listen to the contemporary episodes, the current episodes, you'll understand more of the context of what we're talking about. With that, let's get into today's show. Hello. Hello, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you too, TK. Welcome back to uh, QAV.
1: It's bloody hot down here today. I've got all the windows closed up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to my world. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How was uh, your Christmas and New
1: Year, Tony? Good, thank you. Yeah, very busy actually, travelling down and catching up and parties and whatnot, so it was good to get down to Cape Shank for a rest.
0: Yeah, have you missed QAV?
1: Oh, I feel like I haven't really had much time off it. <laughs> <laughs> we had a lovely dinner on Saturday night with the Melbourne listeners, which was good.
0: Yeah, that, that went well by the looks of it. The photos looked like everyone was
1: having a good time. Yeah, yeah, no, it was good.
0: That's good. good Got any, any good anecdotes? Anyone get drunk and embarrass themselves you want to tell me about? Maybe, no, I, I maybe off so. air you should tell me that. Send me those photos. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we did work out though that
1: we vaguely knew one of the people there, Jenny and I, because uh, we have a mutual friend. Okay. And, uh, I won't mention names, but, uh, yeah, we um, – I think we, we probably came across across cross paths about 20 years ago.
0: Right. Well, mm. it's a small world, but I wouldn't have to paint it. Um, our, <laughs> let's talk about our portfolio then. Uh, end of year report that I put out, put two versions of it out. First version I just lifted straight out of share site, and then you pointed out that there was no way that could possibly be right. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, what the hell? Why didn't I think that? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me, Tony? I don't know. It seems obvious in retrospect that that couldn't possibly have been right. But uh, yeah, that's what you're there for. <coughs> uh, so uh, I think, I think, you, think-
1: were ca- you were carried away by all our listeners writing and saying and yes. well, getting forty plus percent returns. <laughs> I yeah. thought,
0: well, that, yeah, that's, that sounds right. That's reasonable. That's <laughs> what they're all saying. Must be, must be right. I knew. I knew we'd had a good month in December. I just figured, oh, well, look at that. But no. So according to my own calculations, which you may not have had an opportunity to uh, verify, but uh, I saw us getting a calendar year performance of 14.83% versus the All Lords Total Return Index return of 3.64%. How do those numbers sound? Yeah, I did see
1: that. That seems right to me. I think your calculations are correct.
0: Yay. So um, 15% roughly for QAV uh, Mm. for the year that we had. Mm. I mean, uh, massive correction, first recession Australia's had in, I don't know, what, 40 years since 1991 or whatever. Um, uh, Not too bad. Obviously, there was a major bounce in the market too in the last half of the year, so... A lot of people would have done very well, I imagine, out of that. Um, we did okay. Yeah, I think we did well. Well, we didn't, got, we didn't do 300% like Afterpay did, but we did no, okay. True. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm happy with 15%. That's about what I got too. Right. Which is, um, oh, okay. Which is
0: good, yeah. Well, when for we For the met, year we
1: had, I mean, for the year yeah. we had, we traded all the way through. We didn't come in halfway through. Yeah. We didn't take on the risk of... Tesla or Afterpay or any of those sort of high-flying, overpriced tech stocks. Um, but, yeah, we, we pretty much – well, we achieved slightly under what, you know, our long-term return should be, but in terms of its relativities to the market, we did really well.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, our goal mm-hmm. is to do double the All ords. In this case, we did mm-hmm. more like uh, three or four times the All ords. So that's good. You know, that's that's the benchmark for our performance, right? Compare it to the All yeah. ords.
1: Yeah. the I'd still like to get, you know, closer to twenty percent a year, but it was a tough year. Right.
0: So you're happy mm. with that? Good. Oh yeah, very. If I look at our end of <laughs> look at our end of month results, like our December results, we were up eight point four percent for December versus the All Lords up one point seven five. But the previous month we were up five and a half, all Ords was up ten. So mm. um, December was really where we uh, came back. Fighting and a lot of it, I have to say. I mean, we've got a lot of stocks that are doing well, but your your whole punt on copper and aluminium (laughs) late last year was spot Uh on, sir. Spot on, golf clap for uh, your your bit of a bit of a fudge fudge punt on that uh, copper mountains C six C we bought on the 28th of october it's as of today it's up 104% in 2 months
1: yeah it's yeah. amazing isn't it
0: kapral the <gasps> aluminium play is up 40% i mean mm-hmm. not terrible either <laughs> really <laughs> we bought that yeah, on the 26th right. of october just you so Two months, forty percent gain. That's pretty good. But one hundred percent gain is good. Of course, Fortescue Metals are still really delivering. Up two hundred and thirty-four percent since we acquired it um, August twenty nineteen. A double bagger, I think the uh, industry jargon is.
1: Well, it is. Yeah, I think it's actually um, a triple bagger because uh, what did we buy it for? Seven bucks or something?
0: Seven fifty-five. It's currently twenty-five twenty-four.
1: Yeah, so it's nearly a four-bagger. It's at least a triple-bagger for us. So yeah, right. I know you're saying it's up 293%, but it's really up about – you have to add one to that right. calculation. Yeah, Right.
0: Well – Yeah, so the,
1: the margin's 291%, but it's tripled in value for us. Right.
0: On the other, on the other hand, we have Hawthorne Resources, which is <laughs> – Back down 18%. It was up 18% briefly. Now it's down 18%. Ooh. It's uh, up and down like uh, uh, Queensland in lockdown. Speaking of which, <laughs> we're back out. They've announced today we were, we did a three-day three day long weekend lockdown. We're still in it until 6 p.m. today, and then we're out of it. Anastasia's reported. No new cases. That's pretty good.
1: Yeah, that's
0: amazing, isn't it? Three days and in and out. Yeah, we still have to wear masks out in public for the next 10 days, but okay. we can we can move around freely apart from masks. So, I mean, I think there's some limitations on the amount of people that can be in restaurants and cafes and stuff like that, uh, slightly lower than normal density. But apart from that, we're back to normal after three days. So. You know, uh, despite what I normally think about Labor governments, um, I've got to hand it to Anastasia for quick, quick, short, sharp lockdown and uh, getting us back to normal. Well, well played, I think.
1: It is very coincidental, isn't it, that uh, you had a three-day lockdown, which was the three days you were going to come down to Melbourne for our dinner. <laughs> Look, and you were stopped last time from coming down. From <laughs> <London for dinner.
0: laughs> yeah, but it wasn't the Queensland lockdown that stopped me this time. It was the Melbourne lockdown, closing our borders no, with no Melbourne. Here, well, there was uh, it was declared. Uh, you know, New South Wales and then Victoria were all declared uh, danger zones by the Queensland government, <laughs> <laughs> and then we had our own lockdown. So, yeah, yeah. There was the the Melbourne breakout and the Queensland breakout. Anyway, yes. So I've learnt my lesson now. I will not be organising any other events (laughs) for five years. That's it. I'm done. I'm out. Jeez. Yeah, good. Yeah, the Cameron curse continues. Uh, What else have I got in the notes? Uh, Well, that's it, really. I mean, so really pleased with the 2020 wrap-up, pleased the dinner went well, pleased that you had a break. I miss doing the show. I miss talking to you, Tony. I'm glad you had a little holiday, but I uh, kind of miss doing this. I'm glad I had a little break. I've
1: come back much more refreshed, which is good. (laughs) Looking forward to the year. Looking forward
0: to doing this. Oh, really? That's good. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did, as I told you on the phone the other day I did enjoy the 2020 wrap-up episode that I did last week Just having the opportunity to go back and listen to um, how boring you've been all year uh, I, Like the first episode I clipped from was the very first show of the year Where we just talked about, well, you know, it's a bit of a bubble out there at the moment And what, what would happen if there was a correction? How would you handle it? And you told me and then we went into a correction, and I said, "What are you going to do?" And you said the same thing. And then March, you said the same thing. And April, May, June, July, <laughs> August, <laughs> you just kept <laughs> saying the same thing. And we just did what you said you were going to do, and you did it. And uh, it was very boring, I got to say, but uh, fascinating. So we can we can pack up and go home. Well, it We could, we could, but that's not <laughs> the way these things work. Because uh, as we saw, even though. You kept saying the same thing over and over. People kept asking questions. Well, what do we do about yeah. this? And you were like, "No, no, we just follow the rules." Yeah, but what about this, Tony? No, no, just follow the rules. But, but, but surely this time it's different. No, no. Can we can we fudge the COVID cough? No, just follow the rules. So, I'm, I've no doubt that will continue because. Being slightly facetious, but we're emotional creatures. It doesn't matter how much logic there is, and and how much you've proven your system, and we've proven it on this show in the last couple of years. You've proven it for decades before that. But at the end of the day, we're emotional creatures, and it's really hard not to get swept up in the emotion and the FOMO and all of that kind of stuff. And you Know we need you to be the voice of the voice of God there for us, I think. Tony, just saying, <laughs> the no, voice no, of God, yeah, <laughs> it's okay, it's okay, everybody. I, isn't, you know, isn't Ellen
1: DeGeneres the voice of
0: God? <laughs> yeah, I don't know, don't know where that came from. Where is she?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think she used to do a skit about being God.
0: Oh, okay, yeah, mm-hmm. don't know. Yep. All right, so. Let's uh, a couple of, couple of yeah. things. I wanted to yeah. back
1: on some some of the topics of conversation at the dinner on Saturday night because there oh, yeah. were some good good topics and some questions asked, which obviously will have a wider audience than just those people. Yeah. Uh, let me start with margin loans. So we had a discussion about whether margin loans were a good thing. It was kind of following on from the episode we did just before Christmas about margin loans, and uh, one of the attendees at the dinner said that they had taken out a margin loan and that their interest rate was only around 4%, which is much lower than what I thought it would be. So that's that's made it uh, a little bit more accessible to people, I think, if you can borrow at 4% and invest and get a much higher return than that. That makes sense. Mm. Uh, and, and this person had said they didn't have a house to um, that they owned to lend against, so they were using a margin loan against their shares, and they kept their their loan-to-valuation loan ratio below 30%, so they won't taking on too much risk. So I just wanted to feed that back to the, the wider audience that um, somebody out there was using it. And uh, I guess I still stand by all my comments last time about margin loans and how risky they are if, if things can, can turn against you quickly. But um, at a 4% interest rate and a 30% loan-to-valuation ratio, I think that's the risk of margin loans quite a lot. So... I'm not going to make any recommendations or give advice, but people might want to, if they are thinking about it, investigate it further.
0: So explain to us again the loan devaluation rate. What's that mean? Yeah,
1: so if I have a, a $1,000 of Fortescue Metal Group shares, mm-hmm. then uh, I can borrow another 30% against that, that $1,000. So I could borrow $333 right? $300 against it, yeah. And then invest, which means I'd have thirteen hundred dollars worth of Fortescue metal shares. Which means that's a bigger capital base when they go up,
0: right? Mm.
1: But it cost me four percent on that extra three thousand for the, or three hundred dollars. Sorry for the for the benefit of doing that, right? Mm. Okay. And if Fortescue crashes down, you know, just below seventy percent of what it's worth now, then the bank will sell my shares, and I'll still have a loan outstanding to them. So, right? Well, sorry, no. Well, it might. have. Depends on how far they crash. Right. If they sell them exactly at thirty percent, then we're square. Right. Mm. Yeah. So th- I thought that was interesting. I thought four percent was um, much lower than what they had been in the past, and that might make it attractive to some people. It's still higher than than a house mortgage, which is usually around two to sort of two and a half percent these days. Um, but uh, I just thought I'd
0: mention it. Have we if uh, we put that in as a new mortgage rate into the checklist?
1: Uh, I think we've put the mortgage rate in at about 3% into the checklist, haven't we?
0: Well, uh, I don't know. I mean, the, the public checklist, uh, I'm not exactly sure. I've changed the margin rate in a few months, so it might be something I'll have to look into. Let me just call up and have a look at mine. Check the mortgage rate, I mean. We stopped, you know, I stopped providing new versions of it when we uh, had the whole stock doctor issue, so um, right. I have not yeah. uh, I haven't checked that recently.
1: Uh, I'm using 2.69 at the moment. 2.69.
0: Yeah, that was the lowest
1: rate amongst the big four that I could see last time I had a look when they last lowered interest rates.
0: Right. Let me just uh, check the public version. What column is it? Uh, AV. Thanks, AV. Okay, we've got it in at three here. Change that to two point six nine. Okay, Keel. Yeah,
1: some of the other feedback we had, the, um, at least the attendees at the dinner, thought the interviews were good. Because uh, one of the things they all said was that when they listen to the show, when it has questions and we talk about stocks and graphs, they prefer to do it when they're at their laptop, sitting down on their PC. Yeah. Because then they can call up the graphs and work along. But with the interviews, they can go for a walk and listen, and or work out or whatever, or do some chores and. They found that good.
0: Oh, good. Yeah. Well, we'll have yeah. to uh, line up some more of those this year.
1: Yeah, they did think one episode a week was enough, though. So, um, I mean, sometimes we'll do two with an interview, but we could probably sub in some interviews some weeks as well. Oh, good.
0: Hmm. Well, that'll lower your work, uh, lower both of
1: our workloads. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, and. Uh, like one question that kept coming up time and time again in different guises was how to add new money to a portfolio that had already been set up. So a lot of the people who were on there on Saturday night had you know, uh, had portfolios already but had set up a little sub-portfolio for QAV and they bought their 20 stocks, maybe at $1,000 a stock or whatever the numbers are. Uh, and once they saw it work, they, they want to move more of their existing portfolios across. And so the question was do they buy 20 new stocks from the buy list? Do they add to the ones they already have? Is it a blend? So we work through a different, diff- a few different situations of that. And I think we've covered it before in one of the previous episodes. But basically, the way I would do it is to, is to, if I had something on the, in the current portfolio that was on the buy list, then I'd I'd add to that to uh, give it a bigger position. Uh, but I would buy from the buy list first rather than adding to the other ones. And that, if that meant we had, you know, maybe thirty stocks in the portfolio after that was finished, then that's okay. Over time, we'll just rationalise it down as we sell things. Uh, so yeah, that's it's it's basically buying from the buy list first rather than adding to your current positions is the way I'd do it.
0: Yeah. I think we have covered that many times before, but it's one of those questions that's worth reiterating because it does come up. Often I had an email about that from somebody just the other day.
1: Okay. I think it was probably more so just a timing issue. I think we picked up some listeners after the COVID cough and they were setting up their own portfolios and doing well, so they were trying to move some more money across to it. So yeah, it was a, a bit of a topic on Saturday night. Right. Anything else? Uh, what else? Um, seemed like I just sort of did a straw poll of who was using what brokers, and uh, just to pass it on to our listeners. And CMC Markets were being used. Bell Direct and uh, Interactive Brokers were the three that came up in conversation. Right. So people might want to look at those. And one of the one of our listeners who turned up was also an auditor with Deloitte. So he said he'd be happy to come onto the show to talk about qualified audits for us. Oh, good. Yeah, that will so be I'd Jamie. That'd be J. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, good. Reach out to him and get him on. Um, we had a bit of a discussion about it. He doesn't think there's any way of, of tabulating or quantifying companies that have qualified audits or not. So that's still going to be hard to, to go through the annual reports and work it out manually.
0: But, um, hmm.
1: yeah, he said he'd look into it for us and hopefully there's a way of doing it
0: automatically. Hmm. Well, that's good. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, we'll have to organise a time for him to come on.
1: Yeah. I think that's probably about it. Shall we do stock of the week? Sure. What's your
0: stock of the week, Tony? Commonwealth Bank of Australia. No. Yeah. No, banks. But banks aren't uh, <laughs> very uh, Buffett friendly? Oh, yes they are.
1: Really? Oh. He, okay. um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> thought he hated yeah, banks. <laughs> Wells Fargo, he's had I think he owned Wells like 10% of Wells Fargo for a long time. Oh, okay. I okay. they might have sold it recently, though, really? I seem to recall, because Wells Fargo had a bit of a uh, run-in with the regulator over um, some kind of accounting scandal. Right.
0: So yeah. why, no, why always, Commonwealth Bank, Tony?
1: Commonwealth Bank, well, um, this, a lot of people did ask have asked questions about the banks along the way this year because they've been in the general downtrend for a while, and then uh, after their results came out, mid-year after the COVID cough, the numbers were pretty good and they were scoring well. They just didn't have sentiment. So ComBank has now just nudged above the buy line. Um, and I remember at the time during the year I thought, gee, the numbers were really good from the banks coming out mid-year. And I, I, was in, I almost bought them without waiting for sentiment and I'm kind of glad I didn't because they did go back into a second trough in September. But since that low point in September, Combank has shot up. So it's now above its three point trend line. Uh, and I mean, all our listeners will be familiar with Combank. It's the largest retail bank in Australia. Um, has its, uh, history as a government owned bank and was the last to privatize. And, uh, I remember buying shares in the privatization at five bucks. It was, I think, two or three tranches of privatization. And, uh, yeah, the first ones went off at $5. I think the second ones were about 12 And now it's 85 So I didn't, obviously haven't held them all the way through because they've been up and down. But, uh, yes, Combank is back into the buy list. I think its QAV score was around 0.12, 0.13. I'll just look it up for you. So it's not near the top. Uh, but again, it's, um, it's interesting and people might want to consider this, but we've had a couple of biggish companies come onto the buy list. At the bottom end of it, and I'm thinking of JB Hi-Fi in in particular was another one, Combank, and they don't stay on for long because they their price keeps going up. and The QAV score at the moment is 0.13, and uh, you know it won't take much of a rise in the share price for that to drop below 0.1. So, if people are you know inclined to to want to skew their portfolios more towards blue chip or to or they're, they're a bit like me and need to buy bigger companies, then they might want to have a look at Combank in the next week or so.
0: So it, when it bottomed out for the second time after the COVID cough, so it dropped down to 57.41 in March, mm-hmm. came back up to 73, then dropped back down to 63 late September, and then there's up to 85 today. Yeah. So it's yeah. had, a, had a ton of growth, like 40%. Yeah. And it's
1: one of the things that's been driving the ASX up has been banks – Uh, improving in the last few months as well because they're they're quite large in terms of market cap and and can steer the ASX quite quickly. Mm. I'm just going to have a look at its um, dividend yield too because that's another reason that people have been buying banks. And uh, dividend yield, it's dropped down at 3.48 at the moment because of the share price rise, but it has been around the 5% mark um, over the last 12 months. So you're getting a reasonable deal, uh, dividend out of it too, especially if you, you borrow, you're you buying with borrowed funds. That might be a consideration for you.
0: Mm. Okay. So it's not high on our buy list. Nope. But if you're looking for a big blue chip that checks out, passes our uh, metrics and gets a positive score, that's one to think of.
1: Yeah, and like I say, if it keeps going up, it won't stay on the buy list for too much longer. Right.
0: Yeah. Okay, cool. Get into questions? Yeah, sure. This first one is from Doug. I know, uh, blah, blah, blah. Okay, no. He says, (laughs) what does TK do on a daily slash weekly basis for managing his portfolio, i.e. once he is fully invested and alerts are set? Is it just sit back and wait for an alert or does he continue to do analysis?
1: Yeah, well, uh, it's pretty much steady as she goes. There's not a whole heap of work I do when everything is set as it is at the moment. There was a lot more work after the COVID cough because we sold out and then I was buying back in. So that was a lot of, you know, running downloads and checking portfolio sizes and things like that and what to buy next. But at the moment, now that everything's been fully invested again and I'm back to about 2% cash, uh, yeah, there's not much to do. So I guess my time would be... Allocated, uh, I'd read the Australian Financial Review every day. And that's not a bad way of keeping abreast of any sort of major market movements or um, any particular uh, in- stories that might be relevant to some of the stocks or the industries that I'm invested in. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, I won't look at my portfolio unless maybe the markets moved significantly uh, in the recent times. And I'll just check to see what the impact has been or, you know, maybe there's been an, um, an article in the AFR about, say, oil prices, which they have been recently. Um, I might have a look at the oil stocks in, in my portfolio and, and see how they're going. So pretty much just acting on um, any stories I come across, um, either in the AFR or, uh, you know, through other things like the Eureka Report, weekend briefing, um, live wire, which comes out every day. I'll just scan those and, and check the stories. I do set stock doctor alerts, but I tend to only set them for sales uh, when the prices are getting close to their three point sell lines because uh, otherwise it's a bit of a waste of time if they're a long way off there like for theski metals group now you wouldn't set us i wouldn't set a sell alert and stock doctor for that because it's never going to cross it for a long time and uh, you know I'd be looking at the stock well and truly before the sell alert if it was coming down fast so i don't set alerts for every stock I have, but just those are the close to their three point sell lines and then I'd, I'd probably do a monthly review. So uh, generally around the sort of end of the first week of the month, people like Wilson Asset Management will publish their monthly figures and Stock Doctor will publish their monthly figures for the managed funds. And uh, I'll just do an update of mine and just see how I'm tracking compared to the market, how I'm tracking to, compared to them. Have a look at the stock, see if there's anything which has moved dramatically that might need a bit of an investigation. Uh, again, maybe. Check out some graphs and see if they're getting close to their three point trend sell lines and, and set some alerts. But that's not a whole heap of work either. Uh, but otherwise that's about it. It's um
0: yeah, it's
1: steady as she goes.
0: Boring, Tony. Boring Exactly. Boring, boring. I'm <laughs> beginning to think that's one of the
1: best things an investor can be, and certainly that's something <laughs> the puppets always said, is is to be patient and be boring. Sit in your hands. Yeah. As we used to say.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And that's a, that's going to be a refrain we'll hear. I mean, we, we picked up questions today about all the metals, and when do we sell, and do we take profits and things. But you know, you're sitting your hands on those kinds of stocks; they they could be in our portfolios for a long time, which is a good thing.
0: Makes it very hard it to uh, market QAV, though, Tony. It's just so boring. You just uh, <laughs> <laughs> follow the rules. <laughs> like, there's no where's the, where's the where's the razzle dazzle, Tony? We need to put some razzle dazzle in it. Well, it's your job. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm trying, trying to razzle dazzle. Yeah. <laughs> no, in all seriousness, that's the good thing about it, right? As you know, it I've been is, saying yeah. to a lot of, look, we've had a lot of new uh, subscribers in the last month, and and um, some of them have asked me about the learning curve and that kind of thing, and and I always say, yeah, look, depending on where you're coming from, how much experience you have in. Reading financial reports and understanding these sorts of terms and how comfortable you are with Excel, there is going to be a bit of a learning curve. But um, the thing is, once you've learned it, it doesn't change. It just uh, stay. You know, you learn it once, yeah. and that's yeah. it. You know, the analogy that I think I've used before is a bit like learning a language. You learn it, and then you have it for the rest of your life. Yeah, you have to learn it, and there's a learning curve there. But once you do it, you've got it, and uh, this is the same. Once you've learned it, it just doesn't change, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, well, you know, I think about changes all the time. Sometimes we get right. good questions, which there's research and stuff like that. But It gets
0: modified. You tweak it sometimes. Correct. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's the—that's a really important thing. its I mean, you know, one of the reasons why I've enjoyed a couple of weeks' break is it's, it's, it gives you lots of thinking time. And you can – I think sitting around and thinking is undervalued. It might sound boring, but um, – if you can switch off things, suddenly the important stuff starts to filter to the top of your brain. You can think about it and focus on it.
0: All right. Well, now we've got a question from Jamie. He might have asked you, this is a dinner. I don't know. No, Has Tony ever tracked relative QAV performance of large versus mid versus small cap companies? I remember Elio D'Amato saying he was more focused on the smaller end of the market for larger gains I've also noticed some of the other members' results are 40% or more, perhaps due to market timing or asset allocation mix. Jamie?
1: Yeah, I'll take that last point first. I'm pretty sure the people who are getting 40% uh, are either... Well, I think uh, the ones I spoke to on the weekend are probably investing since the COVID cough when the market did rebound strongly and where our stocks have rebounded strongly. Uh, So I think that's probably due to that. But um, I think there was also... A couple of people who had just sort of picked a couple of the shares, uh, and didn't have a full portfolio yet. And, and they were pleased with Capital Aluminium and C6C and things like that. So, um, yeah. So Jamie, I wouldn't get too caught up on not getting 40% over the last calendar year if you were invested all year. Uh, I think there are some reasons for that. And, and I should make the point too, to people who have got those kinds of returns, don't get carried away with a 40% return. It's great, but, uh, it's not likely you'll get another 40% return this year so don't be discouraged if it's you know another 15% year um or, yeah, or it could be it could be another really good year it could even be negative so you just you just don't know so short term results are a great fun to talk about over a beer but I I wouldn't let them motivate me one way or the other until you get uh, fully invested over a period of time.
0: Well, that's the end of the free episode for this week. For the brand new folks, I want you to know that each week we have a free episode and a premium episode. Free episode runs about half an hour. Premium episode usually runs for an extra half hour to an hour, depending on how many questions we have from our audience that week, because we spend a lot of that time answering questions. Uh, If you want to check out the premium episodes, you can go up to our website, qavpodcast.com.au and sign up for the two-week free trial. You get to have a look at the uh, premium episodes, you get to have a look at the checklist, the getting started guide, all of the video content that we have, Uh, you get invited to our VIP dinners and our VIP Zoom calls for club members, you get to ask Tony questions that we can answer, you get to get invited to our uh, Facebook group our private Facebook group etc etc so and also we get a, a private uh, club member newsletter each week we send out as well with some stuff in it so check that out qavpodcast.com.au. but as i said if you're brand new and you want to you're trying to figure out what's going on go back and listen to season 3 episodes 1 3 and 5 301 303 and 305 and then you might also want to go back and listen to season 1 as well. All of the free episodes in Season 1 where we go into a lot of detail about Tony's system and methodology and figure out if this is right for you. If it's something that you want to go further with, if you want to learn how to invest like Tony does, then you can check out the uh, QAV Club. Uh, The other thing I always have to say is we're not financial advisors, so don't take anything you hear on this as financial advice. This is just here to teach how one guy invests and thinks about investing. If you need financial advice or tax advice, please go see a financial advisor or a tax advisor. Uh, With that, stay safe, good luck with your investing, and we'll be back next week.